Welcome to Radio 5G, where we sort fact from fiction, conspiracy from falsehood, reality from the unknown. And by doing so, we change the collective consciousness of humanity. A production of CosmicReality.com Welcome to Radio 5G, a pre-recorded show airing on August 16th, 2023. In the first hour, we will be listening to Patrick Wood on the Stand Up for the Truth podcast, hosted by David Fiorazzo and Mary Danielson. The discussion takes a look at the rise of technology. Mark Joseph will join myself, Nancy Hopkins, in the second hour to comment. Thank you for participating. From the studios of WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up For The Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. Crash Connell, good morning, Tuesday, August 8th, 2023 on the calendar. We welcome our live listeners in uh, FM radio land and also online at q90fm.com slash listen. And we are now at 300 subscribers on our brand new YouTube channel. we got 200 more till we take it to the uh, next level. So if you haven't joined us yet on our YouTube channel, Q90FM Radio on YouTube, and you can see video versions of our Stand Up For The Truth shows. Good morning and hello and uh, good to see you, Mary Danielson. Greetings and salutations, Crash. Um, real glad you joined us today. Uh, Patrick Wood is my guest, and he has some great insights into what's going on behind the scenes in the areas of AI and technology. We might think we know how fast tech is kind of flying past our humanity, but we really don't. There's a bit of a tech coup taking over the world right under our noses, and um, Patrick's been ahead of the curve in my mind for a very long time, so we'll talk to him shortly. Uh, my scripture today is Second Peter 3, 10 to 13. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Looking forward to that. Let's acknowledge the Lord in prayer. Oh, Lord, we really do look forward to that day when we will see uh, your righteousness. Uh, your word tells us that we are to be lovers of righteousness. Uh, and we just praise you and thank you for who you are and that you reveal yourself to us. We lift up this day to you in all aspects, Lord, and pray that you walk among us be glorified in all things. We lift up those who are hurting and struggling um, with the things of this world and this life, and we ask that you comfort them as only you can. Uh, we pray for Patrick and his family today, for your hand of protection upon him, for any and all needs uh, to be met according to your riches. Bless his ministry. Give him wisdom and insight. Uh, continue to equip him and draw him ever closer to you. In Jesus' name, Amen. 
All right, like I said, today, author, lecturer, economist, Patrick Wood, he's a leading and critical expert on sustainable development, green economy, Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, and technocracy. And he is the author of Technocracy, The Hard Road to World Order, Technocracy Rising, the Trojan Horse of Global Transformation, and the Evil Twins of Technocracy and Transhumanism, also Globalization and the Crucible of Global Banking. Uh, he's an expert on the elitist Trilateral Commission, their policies and their achievements in creating a self-proclaimed new international economic order, which is basically sustainable development on a global scale. And you can catch Patrick on Substack. That's called the Quickening Report. And like I said, I think he's always been ahead of the curve on technocracy, trans, uh, transhumanism, and global just about everything. Technocracy.news is a good website to start with. That's loaded with information and news. Patrick, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. Uh, Mary, great to be with you. Um, oh, there's just so much to talk about these days. There really is. You must be very, very busy. Well, it, it happens to work out that way. <laughs> I uh, I try and keep enough balance in my life where, you know, I can uh, kind of stay ab- above the, you know, the panic. <laughs> 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 but, you know, it's uh, uh, so- sometimes I think I'm the man who knows too much. Oh, sure. um, Quote, unquote. But th- that that's really impossible. There's no such thing. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, we see the world passing us by today in ways that we never expected, say, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years ago. Yeah. That's and uh, it is an amazing, uh, amazing time to be alive. It is indeed. It is indeed. The fact that you're above the panic, that's an accomplishment of itself every day. Uh, for those who might be hearing you for the first time, can you just give us a definition of technocracy? I don't know if everyone out there knows exactly what that is. And then we'll dive into some meaty stuff here. But what what does that mean? You bet. It's uh, uh, number one, it's an economic system. Uh, it's not a political system like democracy or socialism or communism. It's an economic system. It was developed in the 1930s, um, mostly at Columbia University. That's where it crystallized. Engineers and scientists got together, figured capitalism was dead in the heat of the Great Depression, and that they needed to do something to save the world. So they created this new economic system. It was a resource-based economic system. Uh, not to be controlled by price like we are familiar with, supply and demand, et cetera, but rather just by allocation of resources directly. And it looks very much today like sustainable development that the United Nations promotes. Uh, however, the way they, they, these technocrats back in that day defined, they led with the thought that technocracy is the science of social engineering. That was the first part of their definition. And uh, the problem they had was the factories are easy to uh, control. Uh, to, they're just, after all, uh, inanimate odds put together, together in a way that, you know, make produce things out the back door. Um, but people that worked in the factories were not as uh, reliable and dependable as machines. So they uh, about the, the science of social engineering. That's what they called it. And, <laughs> you know, you can get the idea. Well, we engineered the, the society. We engineered uh, all of the economy. But now we have to engineer the people to fit into that economy the way we want them to fit mm-hmm. in so that everything can be efficient and uh, smooth operators, that sort of thing. So in a nutshell, <clears throat> that's kind of what technocracy is. And it's alive and well today with a vengeance. And it uh, fully, in, in my opinion, fully intends to take over the world and to flip us out of what we know as capitalism and free market economics 
and uh, stuff us into this new. Well, you know, Klaus Schwab called it the Great Reset at the mm-hmm. World Economic Forum. This is what that is. It's uh, flipping away from what we have known all of our lives into this new economic system that will be controlled by unelected, unaccountable technocrats. Hmm. Yeah, the social engineering part really rings a bell because when you said now they want to engineer the people, well, that is exactly where we're at. I just want to go back just a little bit with you. When you first wrote your first book and you first started to really dive into this on the Internet and such, if you could put a place marker there, what what was the technology at that particular time? I mean, we're way ahead of that, obviously, but... Um, you know, what can you tell us about what things were like, technologically speaking, when you first started to study this? Because that kind of helps us see how far we've gone. Well, you know, technology has been a continuum. Science has been a continuum for at least 100, really 150 years, maybe 200 years. Uh, It's called the scientific revolution, and it goes way back. Um, You know, it's not something that's just like, oh, my gosh, it got sprung on us last week. Um, so it's been like a it's been like a continuum. Uh, if you could if you could like draw a chart, make a chart of the progress of science, um, you would notice that um, it was uh, the, the slope was fairly um, you know level for maybe you know 100 years, but in the last say 20 30 years especially, the curve has started to go vertical. It's in other words, it's a it's a geometric curve, and so it's it's getting steeper and steeper every year. And uh, t- today, as we're looking at it, this curve, the technology curve, is it's not quite vertical yet, but it's getting to that point where things are just happening almost daily, weekly, whatever major breakthroughs you know are being announced all the time. Um, this was evident. The curve was absolutely evident even ten years ago. Uh, most people that, that looked at uh, you know scientific achievement uh, recognized that the, the pace of things was speeding up. I remember even 20 years ago telling people, uh, y- you know, when I was uh, younger, and of course the person I was speaking to was younger probably too, but mm-hmm. I, I was talking to people and I would say, you know, what, what used to take, say, two years to happen in the 1980s seems like it takes two weeks today mm-hmm. to happen. And that's just, uh, you know, that's just an evidence of the the curve is getting steeper and things are happening more quickly today than they ever did before. Um, but the the curve now is getting extremely uh, vertical. I mean, it's almost going straight up at this point. And that's the danger of this whole thing is that the, the technology is racing ahead of man's ability to understand it, mm-hmm. absorb it. Yes, that is absolutely true. And I, I think back just a, not too terribly long ago, there were things like MySpace and Facebook, and social media is AI, right? And and when you talked about what, what they started out, social engineering, and how we've gotten to this, explain to us how how social media really is the foundation for this exponential curve and how we got here. Social media, we didn't, they said, okay, you're going to connect with your friends and family, it'll be fun and all that. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew that this was about data gathering. Everyone has been deceived completely and utterly by what social media really is. And so, you know, how did we, how did it start from there? Because this is also part of the vertical curve that's going on, social media and then everything else. It really is. And um, I personally, I think the way to, to study or to, to look at uh, the, the social media phenomena is not just to look at the technology itself, mm-hmm. but to look at what it's done to humanity. 
what it's done to people, what it's done to people's minds and what it's done to their intellect and their emotional states and so on. Because this is how society is made up. It's made up of people, of course, individuals. But collectively, when they all begin to act in a certain way or they begin to flip out on some certain thing, um, all of a sudden society gets disrupted uh, by their behavior. And things are not smooth, they're not copacetic anymore, and, you know, fights break out, etc. The big lie that was promoted for social media it, is that it was going to be a great unifier. I, I think that probably covers what you just said about, well, friends and family and that sort of thing. They said that it was going to be a unifying experience, bringing mm-hmm. people together. But in fact, the polar opposite was true. And I mean polar opposite. It hasn't brought uh, unity. It's brought division. Not in, in division between people groups, division between smaller people groups, like even within families and brothers and sisters, et cetera, and friends, close friends, brought division. And it also has brought division to people's minds because how they behaved 20 years ago before social media is really totally different than how they behave today, mm-hmm. how they absorb ideas, how, the, for instance, the attention span has been completely uh, uh, obliterated in the last 25 years for many young people. They can't, they, they can't think two straight thoughts in a row for, the, for their life. <laughs> they just can't. They're, you know, they're, um, they're distracted by all of the click, 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 click activity going on. So, they never get time to focus on one thing long enough to get a, a decent thought out the other side. And I think people don't realize, too, when you log into social media, which is constant for a lot of people, it almost trips your brain off into panicking because now you're thinking about something that you weren't thinking about. It's forcing you, look over here, look over here, look at this. I want you to see this. I want you to understand this. I want you to click on that. I think it causes tremendous amount of disarray in people's minds. Uh, and, of yeah. course, these are just symptoms. But... Think about it. I mean, addiction. Social media brought us addiction on that degree. Uh, influencers, polarization, which is what you're talking about, fake news. Yeah. Um, and so the more people are engaged in it, the worse it gets. And then it leads to what? Cyber warfare, scams, fake everything. And we were talking last week a little bit about people's concept of reality. Uh, reality collapsing on a personal level and on a social and cultural level. Can we just talk mm-hmm. a little bit about what is real anymore? Well, <clears throat> you know, social media uh, started the process of presenting things that just weren't true, that uh, that had no basis in fact. And, uh, you know, you could look at that from several different angles, I know, but, you know, like people, um, uh, people on social media today can put filters on their pictures uh, that mm-hmm. change the, the look of their pictures. And uh, all of a sudden, there's somebody different, somebody that uh, may be kind of homely looking and in general can put a filter on themselves and they can look like Marilyn Monroe. Uh, you know, they can look absolutely beautiful. Well, it's not real. Mm-hmm. And people on the receiving end of that, they don't get the, um, you know, the real person. They don't get the real um, uh, even the real uh uh, you know, text coming from the person's mind, and th- this is not real. When it's not real, that means it's not reality. But the problem with sweeping young people across uh, the world, they're they're dealing in a world today that is increasingly not real. Mm-hmm. It's 
outside of reality. They're pre- they're presented with facts that are not facts, that you know, truths that are not truths, and they absorb that as if it were true. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, you get enough of that diet, and all of a sudden, your mind starts to do very strange things, and it won't reason correctly. It won't come up with uh, you know, in another circumstance, it won't come up with the right answer on what you should do, how you should respond, etc. Because you've got all this other non-real stuff in your mind. Hmm. This is where this is where reality we find out now. This is where reality is very, very important to stay in touch with. Because when you break from reality, with all of the the fake stuff, the deep fakes now, the you know pictures can be made up by AI, voices can be made up by by AI that sound just like you or me, mm-hmm. uh, can be made to speak anything to anybody. And, you know, there's so much of this fake stuff going on, nobody really can tell what's real and what's not real anymore. Well, and I think, too, if a young person is looking at this augmented version of themselves and they they get instant feedback from their peers because they want to be liked and they want to be admired, but when they walk away from that device... Where is the uh, the crack? Where is the drug that yeah. made them feel so good? So um, that's where the addiction comes in, right? They need that constant reinforcement. How how can a human survive like that? Yes, when you know when we talk about addiction too, it's important to to make the distinction. There's there's one type of addiction where where you just say, well, you know, you're addicted to that thing, and you know because you're always looking at it, uh, mm-hmm. holding it in your hand, or whatever. But the fact of the matter is that when when people uh, click on something where they're getting strokes off of uh, off Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, whatever, or TikTok, when they get strokes, it actually releases a small amount of dopamine in the brain. Mm-hmm. Dopamine is the addictive is the addiction chemical in your body. And that's what happens when you take a drug like a heroin or or even a you know cocaine or some other you know some other type of a drug. It causes the release of dopamine, which gives you this this rush um, that you didn't have before. That makes you euphoric. It makes you feel you know really really good, etc. When social media giants discovered, and big tech especially discovered that dopamine was involved in the products they were mm. selling. That changed everything. It changed, absolutely changed everything. And, you know, famously, you remember Steve Jobs, the guy that invented, uh, basically made Apple what it is today, invented the iPhone, etc. He would not let his own children participate with the iPhone. It, you know, because he knew, he knew exactly what was going on in the minds of young people that were using this technology. It was causing them literally to be just like dope addicts because it was releasing dopamine. Every time they went to check their, how many people responded to me? How many people liked me today? You know, gave the hit the like button. Well, every time that happens, it releases just a little bit of dopamine and people really get high on it. And so, you know, this is, this has now been a condition that we've had with our, you know, two gener, at least two or three generations now Mm -hmm. where people have grown up being overdriven and overstimulated with dopamine because of social media. Very interesting. You're listening to Stand Up For The Truth. My name is Mary Danielson. We're talking to Patrick Wood, technocracy.news. I, I'm reminded of years ago, many years ago, when my daughter was young, um, uh, AOL, America Online, had something called Instant Messenger. And you had a little, mm-hmm. you could invite your friends, and you could have any number, 20, 30, 40 people that you were friends with. And, 
and to a youngster who's just kind of getting into the junior high thing and that sort of thing, that is a, that is a dopamine rush because everyone wants to fit in. Everyone wants to, everyone wants to have friends. I had to keep an eye on that. And while we're talking the mid nineties here, so this has been going on for a long time. Uh, another thing, Patrick, is they only need, they, um, the abusers of this media only need three minutes of a person's voice to create that voice and make it say what they want. Uh, including calling loved ones and saying, send me money, that sort of thing. I mean, this is a whole new level of fakery that we're never going to, it's not, it's not going back, right? You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. That's right. It can't be done. <clears throat> and of course, you know, you could say, well, it could be regulated, but mm. no, not really. <laughs> um, you know, whatever regulation might come into this is going to be, uh, it's going to be immaterial. The, the, the Pandora's box has been opened, yeah, and yeah. it's it's going to overflow uh, from here on. Right. And the only, you know, the only thing that can maintain sanity and reality in a person's life is that which we would call an anchor to our soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this biblical reference as uh, being an anchor to your soul takes on particular relevance today. Because, you know, you see, the, you know, the soul, mind, will, and emotions. You see young people and, and older people, too, who are captured by this whole, this whole scenario where they're driven to the, to the left, to the right, up, down. They're driven like the, you know, like the, the wind of the sea. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you look at them and you wonder, gosh, what's going on? How, what, what has happened to them? Mm-hmm. It's like a boat that has no anchor, that's in a storm on the sea, being bobbled around in the waves and the wind and the, 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 you know, the driving water and stuff that comes over the top of the boat. This is the picture of the world today. Yeah. Those who maintain an anchor to their soul, like a sea anchor to their soul, are able to ride out a storm and come out the other side when the seas get calm again. Yeah. And... You know, I look at this to, today, and I tell people, especially Christians, I say, look, if you don't want to get caught up with this, there's only one place to go to to attach that anchor to your soul, if you will, so you don't get thrown around. And we find that, you know, the that of course that's the ultimate reality um, that God is who He says He is, and that He is in fact there, and He's concerned with the affairs of men. This is the only place we can find a certain reality, a touchstone, if you will, or a plumb line, if you will, mm-hmm. on what's real versus what's not real. Mm-hmm. The closer we stay to that, the less danger we have of falling into these other things. And uh, this, is, this is almost, for many people now, this is going to be existential to them to understand this. And many Christians even are falling into this, you know, this other thing we're talking about. They're getting sucked into it. Mm-hmm. They don't realize it when, when it starts to happen, but that's, you know, that's kind of the way it is. It never, you know, it always sounds good initially, but you get in and you go, uh-oh, <laughs> trap ahead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, gonna get, I'm getting myself in big trouble. Yeah. Um, holding on to reality is really, really important. And the big question is, how do you do that? Yeah. Absolutely, and I'm remind. I'm really glad you reminded us all of that anchor to our soul, uh, so we don't get shipwrecked. But Second Timothy one seven talks about God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind or sound judgment. And we certainly need mm-hmm. to make sure that we are in the Lord at all times. I watched uh, the Netflix documentary last night, Social Dilemma, 
It actually probably should have been called a moral dilemma because I, we watched the body language of these uh, younger people, younger than me, who who uh, came up with a lot of these social platforms, and they looked, I don't know, they looked agitated. They looked unsure of themselves. And as they got to talking, um, it seems like they were wondering at this point, even though the horse is gone, the barn door is closed, who is going to look into the moral and ethical problems mm-hmm. with all of this because – he says, look what we've done to human beings and how we've treated them. And I thought, wow, nobody thought of that when they were cashing their paychecks. But now yeah. they're seeing, right? They're seeing yeah. the outcome of this. And let's talk a little bit about the moral dilemma because um, if, if reality is collapsing around people and young people are, are taking their own lives, um, mm-hmm. what is is there ever going to be any ethical or moral uh, um, looking into this sort of thing and going, well, we need to dial this back a little bit. You know, as long as uh, as long as the Lord is not—that uh, is, when I say the Lord Jesus Christ and biblical uh, concepts are not anywhere to be seen mm-hmm. in this scenario, it will continue to go down the tubes. Um, but having said that, people are born with a conscience. I feel, I strongly believe that everybody is born with a conscience. And whether they get saved or not, ultimately in their life, uh, almost as immature, the conscience is still there. And people can know intuitively if they've done wrong, if they do something wrong, they can know that they've done wrong. In Silicon Valley today, there are so many people that are experiencing angst um, over what they are doing. You know, they, they know deep down that what they're involved in is, is harmful to humanity, if not yeah. destroying humanity. And it bothers them greatly. The answer, one of the answers that's been provided for this, however, is there, there's, a, an, there's a, a center down in just south of Monterey, California, called Esalon. Esalon originally was the point of uh, entry of, uh, of yoga and, and Eastern mysticism into yeah. America years and years ago, uh, back in the 50s. And Esalon recently, uh, a few years ago, was put out of business because of a big mudslide that happened on, on Highway 1 on the coast where, where it's located. Nobody could get to it, and all the people stopped coming to it. Um, it, was, uh, it was a retreat center where people went to get their heads straightened out. But anyway, the thing went out of business. Esalon got purchased by a group from, uh, from Silicon Valley, and they repurposed the whole thing to be a retreat center uh, of still focused on Eastern mysticism and other self-help type uh, you know, theories, it was repurposed specifically for executives from Silicon Valley wow. who were struggling with this ethical issue, who were beginning to, lo- who were losing sleep at night, who couldn't sleep right at night, who were emotionally disturbed, who had, who had been steeped up on stress and they could they were at the point of breaking and they couldn't handle it anymore hmm. and so Esalon has uh, since it reopened has been booked ever since with people coming down from Silicon Valley it's only like maybe you know 100 miles 75 miles away mm-hmm. the thing has been booked ever since solid with wow. people who are coming down there to be told oh you're doing you know if you didn't do it somebody would and you're doing a great job for humanity because of all these oh. other benefits etc cetera, etc cetera, etc cetera. And they go back to work all refreshed and, oh, you know, it, it was just all for nothing. You know, I'm okay. Uh, you know, I can go back and, and it, you know, uh, other people have affirmed what I'm doing, et cetera. 
Oh, this is how God. they handle it in Silicon Valley. You know, it's not that the conscience isn't there. It is. Wow. But, but it's denied. It's suppressed. You might even say it's suppressed in unrighteousness. Absolutely. Like, well, they, like the Bible says. <laughs> but, um, wow. you know, these people do have a conscience, I guarantee you, and a lot of them are very, very bothered. Hmm. Well, they're outsourcing their conscience to somebody else. If they're paying to go to these retreats to have somebody say, I'm okay, you're okay, <laughs> Yes. Yeah. You know, nod to the 70s bestseller. They're basically outsourcing that, but I, I think it's going to catch up with them at the end. Um, because, um, wow, as I was watching, um, a presentation, the Center for Humane Technology yesterday, you had, um, mentioned to watch mm-hmm. that. And I, even though these guys are secular, they're not saved. They raise yeah. so many great moral and ethical questions because they're saying basically technology on any level requires a level of responsibility. And that has been abdicated, uh, almost completely and thoroughly, uh, as people are, you know, there's a riot on the dock last night somewhere. Didn't we? I did the whole article and people are breaking mm-hmm. out in riots. Well, that's no coincidence. People are snapping. Um, and a lot of it has to do with this sort of thing. Um, we're not going to go too far now at the moment because we're headed for a break pretty quick here, but I want to talk about uh, some of the, the new technology and that, that kind of responsibility and, and how it's not making our lives better and how AI is exponentially um, self-replicating, actually. It's, it's just it, once you start at a certain level, it just self-replicates and it reproduces, and it's just a... Wow, it's just a crazy thing. And so I want to talk, too, about the last days. I want to talk about deception versus delusion. Um, And my husband reminded me last night about a verse that says uh, it would deceive the very elect if that were possible. I mean, think of the implications of that in light of uh, the world that we're living in right now. So we're headed for a break here, Patrick. Um, Patrick Wood is our, our guest today. We're talking about technocracy and the moral and ethical uh, dilemmas uh, regarding how far we've gone with AI and, and social media. I don't think we saw this coming. So, um, standupforthetruth.com. Sign up for our weekly podcast digest via your email inbox. Uh, more to come on Stand Up For The Truth in the next half. Uh, stay with us, and we will be back shortly. And don't forget, if you joined us late, we're looking for more subscribers on our YouTube channel. It's Q90FM Radio, one big word, Q90FM Radio on YouTube, but we put video versions of our podcast, Q90FM Radio on YouTube. Please follow that page. Your prayers and ongoing financial support keep our truth at any cost mission strong. Stand up for the truth.com. Welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. Today, August 8th, we have Patrick Wood. Technocracy.news, among other things. Check out his books on Amazon. There's so much information in there. And we are talking about the moral and ethical dilemmas of AI and social media, which was just the beginning of this incredible tech revolution that we find ourselves in. Patrick, it seems to me, and while I know this is true, that AI is not only creating a reality, but it is exponentially self-replicating. They're saying that people who deal in Exponent, exponential mathematics can't even figure out how this is going. But it took Facebook four and a half years to reach 100 million users. It took Instagram two years. It took TikTok nine months. And then ChatGPT two weeks to reach 100 million users. Patrick, can you help us kind of just figure out how, how that exponential curve works? Because we are in it. 
this is this is the curve I was speaking about earlier as a as a perfect representation of it. Um, <clears throat> AI has been accepted and adopted by the world at rates even the developers had no clue. Mm. They said they were shocked. They knew it was going to be successful, but they were shocked at at the widespread use of this thing. Just boom, right out of the gate. The interesting and the interesting thing about AI at this point, now that the cat is out of the bag, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> is um, that AI can improve itself at, all by itself. It doesn't need additional human <laughs> input. Wow. It can make itself stronger. It can make itself more knowledgeable without any other uh, outside program or influence. When the atomic bomb was made, for example, uh, or made, when, when the technology was developed and, and uh, the first atomic bomb was made, when the when that bomb sat there on a on a factory or on a floor in the warehouse or whatever, that bomb and that technology by itself was not able to improve itself. It couldn't mm. make itself stronger. Mm. One bomb didn't make baby bombs that were stronger than it. But in the case of AI, that's all out the window because now AI, as they they're finding AI can make itself stronger. Once it's released, once it begins to learn, once it begins to you know do its own stuff, it can make itself stronger and expand its horizon in ways that the original programmers never anticipated. Mm. That's that's not to say it's taken on a life of its own. That would be inappropriate, mm-hmm. I think, to to you know to say it's alive because right. it's not alive. Right. But um, uh, whatever's happening with it, even the programmers, even the, the developers are surprised on, almost on a daily basis on new things that AI comes up with <laughs> and new ways that, you know, this reasoning things out. Uh, this is this is one reason that uh, that the curve is almost vertical at this point, hmm. because AI can improve itself without any additional human intervention. Wow, that's. That's really sobering. And I was thinking about Robert Oppenheimer recently because there's a movie about him, but the story goes that the night before they were going to drop the bomb uh, in Japan, they they still had no idea if it would vaporize the entire atmosphere above the Earth. And so, yes. you know, the, no one's ever tested. No one tests anything. They just experiment on people, and social media is no different. COVID jab is no different. Um, the arrogance is absolutely astonishing and even back in the 20s when IBM started they had punch cards and they were using them to round up the Jews because um you know mankind is incapable of governing himself because of the default right. sin nature but that's amazing patrick because if it just keeps replicating i'm thinking about um the whole world in revelation is connected the whole world followed after the beast and then there's a phrase that says all those who dwell upon the earth um, this isn't because of social media, right? We're way past that. This is a base of people that is growing and growing and growing until the end game, which is the whole world followed after the beast and what they're doing collectively. And it's not because of, you know, we always thought, well, it's because of, you know, 24-hour news. No, we're, we're, we have blown past that in spades, right? Yes, exactly. I was on with, uh, did an interview with uh, Tom Hughes the mm. other day. And um, I asked the, I posed the philosophical question, how much time, knowing that the devil knows his time is getting short now, uh, I don't think there's any, any doubt about that from a, from a biblical point of view, but I asked the question, how much time 
would the devil allocate to uh, building his infrastructure once the seven-year period starts? Mm-hmm. And you think about it a bit. You say, well, uh, the, no, he wouldn't allocate any time <laughs> at all because he's only got seven years, right? Right. And he better hurry up. So he's got to build his infrastructure today. Before the tribulation starts, before the rapture mm-hmm. starts, he's got to be—he's got to build this infrastructure that's going to serve him mm-hmm. during that seven-year period to control people. And I think we see this forming right before our eyes, and it's out of—it's even beyond the comprehension of the people developing the software right now. They're scratching their head over a lot of things. They're still doing it, but they're scratching their head, wondering what what have we what have we created here? It's taking on a life of its own. And right. It's out of our control. But you mentioned, you know, the, the, the deception of in, in Revelation that we see, and I stress, uh, hasten to, to, to remind people that we're not, we, you and I, will not be there. Born-again believers will not be there at this time when this happens. But in Revelation 13, when it talks about the, the false prophet that had power to give life unto the image of the beast, and they, they made this image of the beast. This was a, a big deal. This is not a third, it's not a fourth person in the in the drama, but they made an image to the beast, um, which had the which had the wound. That's the Antichrist, it says. And then in uh, chapter thirteen, verse fifteen, it says, "And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, image of the beast, mind you, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed." Mm-hmm. And he causes all, this is still the image of the beast apparently doing this, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no man may buy or sell, save he had the mark. This is all the the function of this image of the beast. And the fact that the image, it says here very pointedly, could could speak, could reason, and that means it's reasoning as well, could reason and speak, and that it could cause those to be killed that it didn't like. Hmm. There's only one thing in view right now, only one thing in view right now that could possibly fit into that that uh, yeah. you know that the, that that cog in the in the in the wheel of revelation. There's only one thing we're talking about it right now. It's artificial intelligence. Hmm. Yeah. It's not human, yeah. but it has the ability to imitate humanity. You know, imitate consciousness. It's just an imitation, mind you. But once it learns, you can see how it could be used for an external control device to control humanity Mm -hmm. and to imitate, if you will, the work of the Holy Spirit in the church age that, that controls people from the inside, which the devil cannot do. He needs to control people from the outside with an exoskeleton to get them to behave the way he wants them to behave. We can see this happening. We can see this working now. In theory, we can see it working now. But if this is the ultimate expression of AI in Revelation 13, Mm -hmm. you get a very clear, and people should go study it if they're not familiar with it. They should go look at it and really study it. If this is direction is headed, uh, it just gives you a uh, three-dimensional picture of the book, the book of Revelation, say, bang, yeah. there it is. Yeah, what did John um, see anyway? This, you know, what did John see? This is the control of people. <laughs> yeah. The other, uh, the other 
caveat I, I want to throw into that, too, is that a lot of Christians today are afraid of the mark of the beast and the so-called mark of the beast. You know, that you, if you take that mark, you can't ever be saved. And what if I got it accidentally? And, you know, I didn't know I was getting it, but I did. Can, you know, am I going to be condemned? Well, number one, it's during that seven-year period when we believe the church is not going to be present in the world. But the the main thing to understand there is that that it's all focused on who you're willing to worship at that time. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to worship the devil, he will give you the mark. If you're not willing to worship the devil, but you you worship God instead, there's only going to be two choices. Uh, then you won't get the mark, and you'll you'll get killed. That's why it talks about uh, those that did not worship the image of the beast should be killed. It's very it's a very simple proposition. Um. But it focuses on worship, not on the technology. Mm. <laughs> That's what I want to say. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to worship the beast, you're going to be killed, the image of the beast. If you're willing to worship the image of the beast, then you'll get the mark. And so I ask Christians today, if they, if they have that, that mindset, well, I'm afraid, sort of thing. I say, well, can you picture yourself ever... Uh, making a conscious decision to worship the devil can say yes or no. And nobody says yes. <laughs> well, I would never worship the devil. Right. Well, don't worry about it. This case closed. Yeah. If you're not ever, if you're not willing to worship him now and you keep that, you maintain that and uh, you know, you're never ever going to come close to this. So just forget it. Yeah. yeah. But that's the same that anyway, that's what they're going to be faced with during during that portion of the tribulation is well in the bible the bible cuts focused on worship yeah exactly and the bible cuts to the chase that we're still basically spiritual people no matter what epic or era we live in the bible says the truth right there you are a spiritual human being and that's what you are you're not technology but there is and there is like you were saying where it's a run-up um, to these events, and we should see that clearly. And those that aren't studying or learning prophecy should should see this clearly, because deception has always been with us, right? But now, doesn't it say it says God will send a strong delusion that they would deceive the lie? And I looked at that word delusion, and it's something that leads people to wander here or there, completely lost in deception. Uh, yes. Let let no one deceive you, right? Yeah, go ahead. Yes, there, well it. There's an easy way to understand the difference between deception and delusion. If you watch a magician, most people have seen a magician, you're always amazed when they do tricks, you know, and it seems they want you to think, well, it's magic. You know, well, it's not really magic. It's just sleight of hand. But when you watch a really, really good magician do a trick, you go, oh, wow, you know, how do you do that? And if he shows you the trick, well, this is how I did it. Watch my hand, you know, watch my whatever up my sleeve. And he shows you how he did the trick. And then you go, oh, geez, I see that. How could I, how could I not have seen that when he did the trick? But now you know how he did it. If he does the trick again, you're not going to be deceived again okay. because you know how the trick was, was pulled off. Right. Delusion is when you see how the trick is performed and you continue to believe the deception when the same trick is performed for you over and over and over. Right. <laughs> you know, Interesting. You, you've seen how the trick is, is done, but you continue to believe that the trick was real. Yeah. 
this is delusion. When when people snap from reality, they cannot tell the difference anymore. Wow. They've lost the ability to tell the difference. And that's what delusion is. And this is what we see people, this is what uh, Professor Matthias uh, Desmond, uh, in, in the clinical psychologist, uh, talked about when he was discussing his concept, his theories of mass formation. This is delusion. Hmm. It's not just simple deception. Okay. Anybody can be deceived at least once. But we shouldn't live in that, and we shouldn't get hardened in it where it becomes delusion. So when the Bible says that God will send strong delusion on people, um, it may be that they were kind of already there in the first place. (laughs) But but, uh, he blocks the exit, perhaps, you know, Mm -hmm. on how they can get out of this diluted deluded phase. Right, right. And their willingness to repent is directly tied to what yeah. God sends. So they've made their exactly. choices. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly right. You know, I still see people uh, every week almost driving down this, the road, and this, and this is in Phoenix, right, where it's 110 uh, degrees. You see people driving down the road uh, with their windows up, nobody in the car, and they're wearing a mask. Yeah. Sometimes they're wearing two masks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you scratch your head and you say, what, what are they thinking? Yeah. What, what's going through their head that they would think they needed in their car? <laughs> yeah, but look put how, a mask over their face. Look and, how easy it was, though, to get them to that point. It didn't take long at all. Um, no, it so doesn't. once the church is gone, I think we're looking at a global psychosis, and that is a terrifying yeah. thing. But uh-huh. That's exactly right. <clears throat> if, 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 uh, if listeners look up the word psychosis on the Internet, They'll find it's not a diagnosis; it's mm. a symptom. Mm. And uh, a diagnosis would be something like schizophrenia. Yeah. You know, if you say, "Well, he's schizophrenic." Well, that's a that's a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. But psychosis merely describes a symptom. Oh. And the symptom is, if you, if you look at it, this, is exactly. I I was surprised by this in a way, but but the the actual definition says psychosis is defined as a break with reality. Well, yeah, a break with reality. Yeah. And that's exactly what we see. Wow. That's what we're talking about. A break with reality. Yeah. Such perilous times we live in. I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah. Patrick, we don't have a lot of time left, but I want to talk a little bit about WorldCoin. I know it's been yeah. all over the news. Uh, a gentleman named Sam uh, Altman, uh, the open AI CEO, and that's um, uh, it's an AI research laboratory started by Elon Musk and Sam Altman in 2015, and Microsoft then put a billion dollars into it in 2019. And then they launched WorldCoin on March 14th. They had 2 million signups by July 14th, and they've been traveling around um, sort of exploiting the working class and saying, hey, here, if you sign up and you scan, we scan your iris, um, we'll give you some free of these little cyber world mm-hmm. coins. I don't know if they're worth anything, or even if they are, maybe they won't be later on, but... What in the world is going on? Can you tell us just a little bit about Mr. Altman? He's an interesting character. Yes, I know. He really is. There's a lot of hype around WorldCoin right now. Mm-hmm. And this little orb, you know, the, the silver bowling ball. Yeah. That, uh, they're, <laughs> they're sending all over the world. Anybody can register, I think, to become a, a scanner. And they get one of these orbs and they can oh, go right. out and they can, you know, get people in their community neighborhood and stuff. Nobody in America would do it, but they've taken it over to Africa and they're they're happy to, you know, oh look at the shiny good little orb. <laughs> and, you know, they they go for it and they get money for it, free money. <clears throat> um Sam Altman has uh, disrupted the world with Chat GPT. 
completely disrupted the world. And now he wants to disrupt the world with this world coin concept. Mm -hmm. And the idea of scanning your iris for the sake of uh, a positive ID on you, this fits into all these other programs that we've been hearing about, about universal ID and uh, you know, universal passports that uh, that biometrically identify you with face scans or or even uh, you know finger well fingerprints are kind of passe now, but um, you know iris scans are very unique as well. They say they're completely unique. And Altman has jumped on this bandwagon, but he has an interesting twist, and that is he's promoting the concept of universal basic income. He's been on this bandwagon of UBI for, well, ever since he started um, uh, Y Combinator. Uh, Well, he's president of Y Combinator, uh, Hmm. the serve startup companies in the Silicon Valley for some years before he jumped ship and went into OpenAI. But um, he's been on this universal basic income stuff where where he he wants to give people, um, you know, an, an income, money, if you will, to live so that they uh, don't, like, I don't know, expire or whatever. But universal basic income is a concept that is only found in historic technocracy. Nobody else has ever brought this up, ever in the history of the world. This is a technocrat um, um, construct of technocracy. Uh, and back in, in the 1930s, they talked about giving an energy script to everybody. It was going to be uniformly applied to everybody in society. And you'd have to, you could spend your, your script on anything you wanted, goods and services, and if you ran out before the end of the period, you'd have to wait for another allocation before you could buy more stuff. Um, but this is pure technocracy that he's promoting here in this, uh, this universal basic income concept. And, of course, in order to get kind of into that track, you need to get your, your irises scanned and a positive identification on you and an electronic wallet in your smartphone so that you can receive the goodies that they want to send you. And, oh, if you do that, um, you know, everything will be good and we'll give you more of it as time goes on. Um, universal basic income is something we do not want. But in their minds, this, and I've heard people actually say this, verbalize this, they believe that AI is going to displace so many people uh, to where they cannot be employed again. In other words, not that they're just unemployed. They're unemployable. And when somebody becomes unemployable, what are you going to do with them? Because if you leave them to do nothing, they're going to riot. They're going to rebel. They're going to have protests, et cetera. They're not just going to roll over and die. And so the answer to that is universal basic income. When somebody becomes unemployable because of the, the, the advances of AI, is oh my gosh, you know, that, yeah, so let's just give them money and we'll uh, give them a, maybe a, a virtual reality headset, let them sit home all, all day and, you know, play in, in the metaverse wow. or something. Another reality, by the way, right? Yeah. Um, this is, uh, you know, Sam Altman is purely expressing technocracy and, all, and everything he's doing is expressing technocracy. Uh, whether he even knows the word, the meaning of the word or not, I don't know, <laughs> but he is a poster child for technocracy right now and everything he does. And WorldCoin is just another expression of that. Yeah. He's an interesting character because um, he says he's trying to protect the world from AI destruction. He's a survivalist, 
and it's supposed to preserve our privacy. It's like he thinks he's building a firewall or a backfire to put out the big fire. I don't know what that all means, but, yes. but MIT did an incredible article. It's very long. It's called Deception, Exploited Workers and Cash Handouts, How WorldCoin Recruited Its First Half a Million Test Users. And it, it documents um, them going to a, a very, very poor village in Indonesia, and there's there's lines for social assistance, and they're they're putting up posters and they're telling people, come on down, you're going to get free money. Uh, they wait in line for hours and hours on end. They they see this metal orb, you know, um, aimed yeah. at their faces to scan their irises and other data, and then they get a ticket and then they get in line. And this is going on in many many countries. Talk about exploitation. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. So I don't know where this is going to go, but. Um, <clears throat> You know, his, his you, whole, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. It's interesting that MIT, I read that article that oh, you, you did. referred okay. to. MIT, uh, <clears throat> of course, that's the <laughs> Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Right, right. That's where all the brainiacs are, right? <laughs> the true brainiacs. They don't have a very high opinion of Sam Altman. No, they do not. Obviously, right? <laughs> but you know why they don't have a very high opinion of him? It's because he's only got a high school degree. Oh, my goodness. He only went yeah. to one year of college before he dropped out to to drop in to go into venture capital. Wow. He's not he's not educated according to their standards whatsoever. <laughs> and yet here's a guy basically with a high school education is turning the world upside down. Wow. Well, they and MIT thought that was their job. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Well, the same with Bitcoin. Who's the, you know, uh, Satoshi, whatever his name is, who invented Bitcoin and then he retired uh, an island somewhere and no one still knows to this day who he is. What a bizarre story. And look what they started and look what they are continuing. It's just a, it's out of, yeah. raging out of control. It really, really is. Uh, another headline, um, I don't know if this was on your page or not. I thought maybe I saw it there. China crafts weapons to alter brain function. Report says tech is meant to influence government leaders. What in the world is Neurostrike about? Is that sounds like an Elon Musk thing? <laughs> the name it almost does. Yeah. I know, I know. You know, the uh, President Obama started the uh, the initiative called Mapping the Human Brain, and you know that is to discover everything about the brain there is to discover. Mm. <clears throat> um, China has been ahead, way ahead on this whole project. I think to try and figure out ways to scramble the brain in, in terms of warfare. You know, you want to do that to the enemy. Yeah. And they got lots of weapons now. So do we. I mean, so does, you know, yeah. like a, a DARPA, uh, the black ops uh, group at the Department of Defense. They've got the same kind of technology. It's not just China. Mm-hmm. But uh, if they want to, from a distance, if they want to target, um, you know, a group of people with microwave, uh, te- you know, microwave transmissions or or other types of transmissions and stuff, they can do it very, very easily, and it just really screws people up. Really? So it's so, a thing. It's a thing. It's an actual possibility. Yeah. Is what? It's a thing. This this thing that we uh, is supposed to alter our brain function. They can actually do that. Well. Um, they they can, but not in the way it's not. We wouldn't want to jump to the conclusion that they can cause people to behave a certain way. Okay, like you know, go like like the Manchurian Project. Uh, sure. you know, a candidate. It's not like that. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> if they can cause a group of people, for instance, to drop to their knees and cease to move forward, like they they don't walk or whatever, you're changing the function of the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you if you scram if you can scramble their brain remotely to where they can't aim a rifle correctly anymore, sure. well, you've altered the function of their brain. Wow! It doesn't mean that wow. you cause them to take their rifles, turn around, and shoot yeah. their own friends. 
Um, but you still can disrupt the enemy to where they cannot function. Wow. Patrick, we we are out of time. I know we probably could have gone a lot longer than this. Um, Talk about perilous times. It just, all of this gives all new meaning to me to how far we are. And if the, if the mark is three and a half years into the tribulation that it's mandatory, how, how close are we? So, uh, we are, like I said, we're out of time. Thank you so much for being with us. Technocracy.news. Um, you will always be on the cutting edge to me. And I thank you for that. So thank you for joining me tomorrow, uh, Thursday, Julaine Appling. Friday, Paul Sharp, friends of Israel. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Thank you for joining me. God bless you. Welcome to Radio 5G for the airing on August 16th, 2023. This is pre-recorded. Myself, Nancy Hopkins, and Mark Joseph are going to comment on the interview that you just heard with um, uh, Patrick Wood. Uh, we've had Patrick Wood on this show, not personally, but you know we do uh, replays of his his uh, amazing perspective on reality. He was one of the first people out there talking uh, technology uh, that I ran into in any any depth. Um, one of them, and so Mark, welcome, <laughs> welcome to Radio Five G, Mark, and uh, he. Tell me, because you're the one, well, you found it, and uh, in actuality there was a little confusion because he sends me some ideas that he has, and uh, he mostly shoots down my ideas. (laughs) No, I don't want to do that. Okay. Um, Because he likes to get into the technical technology, the, 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 the techie stuff, because we do so much about the politics and about metaphysics and shungite and other things but he likes to stay with the techie stuff so he's he, he gives me some a list of one and the first one was so techie i was like i just glassed over mark i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't handle it and then i get uh patrick and patrick is one of these people that when you start listening to him you just kind of like he just takes you on a little journey and so I do appreciate you for uh, getting that one, and uh, I, I want you to, to kind of like start the show by telling us what you thought. Yeah, so to excuse uh, <clears throat> the audience for my voice, uh, just got off being sick since Wednesday. Uh, can you talk about that? It's 5G related for sure, but talk about that later. So the interview came from the Stand Up For The Truth podcast, August 8th. And as far as I've found, this is his latest interview. Um, and <clears throat> how we kind of work the program is I send Nancy a bunch of stuff. And the other one was, uh, I think his other latest one was a presentation uh, <clears throat> in, in, with an audience called The Evil Twins of Technocracy, basically an hour of uh, highlights of his book. And I could cover some of the quotes and highlights of that here. And, um, but I, I, I am glad that, so there was a confusion which one we were going to use. Um, I did listen to both and, and took some notes and highlights. So I like this one because it's the latest and as far as what's happening. And then I hope we can also cover the Maui thing and, um, because it all interconnects as far as the whole, uh, uh, scientism and, and technocracy thing. So 
<clears throat> since I live in in uh, Northern California, the part about the SLN really um, uh, <clears throat> got my interest because I, I took a college course on um, it was like magic, science, to religion, and then there was a part two of that in um, one of the colleges here. And Esalen was was one of the big topics, and, and what, we've had we've used what, applied J dyers. What, hmm? what, what's that name? What's that word again? Esalen Institute. He, he talked about that. Oh, um, okay. The, 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 the where the where the the tech people go to get God, right? Yeah. So that's around twenty five minutes of the interview. So. Yeah. And what is it again? Spell it for me, because I couldn't quite catch it. E S A L E N. So it was a big thing of Eastern mysticism and various mental technologies and, and, and uh, Eastern thought uh, school based on that. And you and, went to you, you went to the campus and took a course. No, uh, th- this was a different uh, university in, in Silicon Valley, but ah, it was, okay. it, one okay. of its focus was Esalen. And then people who listen to Jay Dyer, which we recommend. Uh, a lot of that was founded by the intel agencies, and <clears throat> it makes sense now that big tech bought the institute and then repurposed it for <laughs> the guilty consciences of, of uh, you know, the uh, what do you call it? Um, elite people tech, following elite technocrats. You know these guys up there that think they're gods. But. I, I wouldn't give them that much credit because they're all <laughs> they get an inexhaustible money from government and intel agencies and guidance. For example, who was this one? Um, was it Jay Dyer? But there's a no. This was on the Kate Daly show. One of the ones I sent you about TSA and them taking a picture of you in the airport when it was known ten ten years ago. They kind of did the same thing, and all that stuff was hacked. And it's like. Why do you need to take a picture of us? This is like a recent thing. Uh, <clears throat> Kate was flying around in the airport. But people can listen to that on her, her show. Um, and, the, and again, what's her last name? Kate Daly, D-A-L-L-E-Y. It's important because when you're – if people, anyone who's flying, like they're going to do this and then put you in the database for your digital twin and um, – it all connects back to frequencies, right? And we know with with um, old old school scalar tech, they can just take your picture and then send frequencies to it, which hits your body, right? So, I mean, our cell phones already do that to us. Um, anyway, <clears throat> uh, oh yeah, it, w- it was the Kate Daly show talking about um, what's his Prince Harry con- talking to the Aspen Institute and <clears throat> this lead social somebody um like technology in stanford who's a cia asset so no surprise stanford has connections back to that uh but so it makes sense that you know big tech would be buying out esalen and then just using it as a uh (laughs) what do you call it polisher for for a lot of these um you know people who are creating the tools but okay. That also okay. Goes... Okay. Let me let me let me just stop there for a second. Yeah. So you said you took a, a similar course. Well, that they teach it this stuff, and it was. Can you give us a, a brief statement as to what you were, 
what you know that you did that was associated with that, and maybe does that still is that still apply? What are they teaching them there? I mean, I, I took that too many years ago. To like remember, decades. yeah, yeah. So people can just look up Esalen Institute, see their courses. And then I forget the name of the founder, but there's just tons of information on him. And they're, of course, going to give you the polished version rather than the behind the scenes. Like people want to know what really goes on. Listen to Jay Dyer of all <clears throat> the secret society and intel agency connections to Esalen and, of course, Big Tech. Um, but that connects to the reason why that <clears throat> that was brought up because of a lot of the big, big tech uh, front men, um, they're known that they don't have their kids use – uh, <clears throat> their technologies because of what it does to the dopamine factor which is we talked about this what was it years ago when we had Dr. Jack Cruz <clears throat> uh, commented on his interviews and I'm a subscriber of his, his material of the dopamine and um, how the kids become dope addicts right overdriven overstimulation that they're constantly looking for something exogenous, some kind of stimulation, so you become an addict in that way. Um, but, you know, I try to be careful with that since I'm all of the, I'm in all of these social media accounts that <clears throat> gather data and share on uh, the shows and how does it apply to uh, my own personal life, you know, how it could, you know, enhance. Um, but okay, l- l- let's stop there again. Um, the dopamine concept, because when I'm, <clears throat> I'm probably on it, not the social media, but the in, the internet and everything, you know, more than most people are. You are certainly, and yet we don't get this addiction to it. If I, I, I if I don't have to turn it on, I'm happy. So w- the addiction is coming from not the electronics itself but from the messaging and the social platforms correct in other words the kids are getting the hit when somebody says oh I love what you just said or a hit when they go you're a piece of crap because the dopamine will come in too because you've been acknowledged I mean I think that's the way it works Can you, do you know any more about that <clears throat> yeah Patrick said it in the interview of, um, every time they get a a like or an approval or a comment <clears throat> obviously it's positive then you get that dopamine release in the brain and so it's just a more uh, just another form of peer pressure and peer, peer approval which to me is just another form of slavery um, my opinion and then they're just going to want more of that plus the blue light itself from you know uh, the cell phone from, from computer screens um, reduces melatonin and does all sorts of obviously messes up the brain aside from releasing the improper chemicals so Dr. Jack Cruz also covers that in his interviews um, not too many people do so you know, you could go to a podcast app and just see w- where his latest um, <clears throat> discussions are of uh, the neurochemistry of that part so yeah yeah, <clears throat> that's my comment on that well, he he did cover, you know, and part of what it was I liked about it was it wasn't too technical, and he didn't get too deep into the technology, but he pointed out things that you go, oh yeah, you know, I mean like 
one of the things that I have found, oh, I, I don't even know the word for it, um, uh, kind of like disappointing or like, oh my God, is the length of time that they've been at this. Because I have longevity. I, I, you know, I was in the 60s group. And based on what I saw in, in the 1960s, you got an, a, a bunch of kids who are, yes, they, 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 their, their lives were in a very good place in that they, the economy was, was fairly good, they, uh, the society was fairly good, the schools were teaching you what you needed to, to learn, you know, your ABCs and math and how to get through life. You had civics courses. You would pledge the flag every day, and um, we didn't, I don't remember doing it in my school, but in a lot of schools they would also say a prayer. So they were coming from that environment, and then you, they, they get into the 60s, into their teens and early 20s, and you have the hippie revolution and the you know, sexual revolution and this uh, protesting in the streets, the anti-Vietnam, anti-war sentiment. All of that I was absolutely fine with. That was my generation. And then in May, um, May 4th, 1970, they had the Kent State situation happen where some anti-war protesters were confronted by National Guard troops and the National Guard troops, somebody fired and I think it was four people were killed, maybe it was five kids and the schools just, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but every school and university in the country essentially closed down and very few people know that. I know it because remember you didn't have the internet, you didn't have social media. I know that because the University of Massachusetts had a big student union and there was the Kent State thing happened they, they started having uh, rallies people were, were going into just get going where you could have a bleacher and putting up a bleacher and people were talking and telling people what was happening out there and it was pretty impressive they had already had some activity that way because they were doing anti-war protesting. But there was something happening at the at the student union and I was between classes. So I said, let me just go over there and see what the heck is happening. So I get there and it was all all different. Normally you go into the student union and it was nice kind of people just, you know, doing their thing, having some food doing a little studying. So there was an area where you could just kind of sit down and watch television, that type of thing. But that day, it was more like walking into an office building. And I saw, I went on to, to have a lot of military experience. I saw the most impressive, basically, military, it was a group of people came together and from the top began to organize and to, well, basically organize and to connect with all of the universities and colleges in the nation. 
So the first people that got involved with this was the University of Massachusetts, as, as far as I know, University of Massachusetts in Berkeley in California. And Berkeley did the same thing, took over their own student union, the students did. And then they coordinated, they had phones, a lot of phones, and they were all connected to somebody in Berkeley. And what they did, they had a big map up there of the United States, and they were continue. I mean, I, I'm just walking around, walking into these, these rooms and seeing what they're doing. And they were on the phones talking to other universities and colleges, other people that were concerned. And as those other schools did the same thing, essentially, they would put another marker on the map. Another college, another university is, uh, you know, joining our group. Boom, boom, boom. They're, they're shutting down. And essentially what that meant was the students refused to go to classes. That's all they were doing. They weren't running around protesting, screaming, setting off bombs or anything. It was just, no, no, we're, we're going to stop. Stop everything. Just stop. We're going to talk about what's real now. And so a lot of the schools were, all of the schools were completely taken aback. They, they didn't, weren't prepared for this. But at the University of Massachusetts, I also happened to be a student representative and voting member of the faculty of the history department of the university. So I leave the student union. I go over there to see what the heck they're, what's their response here. And they were history teachers and stuff are a little bit more current eventy type of people. And what they did was that they shut down all their classes, canceled all their classes, and then immediately started up new classes that were based on, you know, what just happened. What's the Vietnam? Talking, talking the truth about current events in a very real way. So the, the history department at least, you know, had a response. A lot of the other ones just shut down. You know, the recreation groups, the health groups, a lot of the sciences and psychology, and stuff, they just shut down because they didn't know what to do. Um, but like I say, they really didn't have to do anything because the students were starting their own groups. You know, we're going to talk about this over here and we're going to talk about that over there. They also did go to the streets. They also did do protesting. And only later did I find out the real impact on the government. Nixon was the president. He was terrified that the White House and the Capitol was going to be taken over. He ordered in, uh, I think it was groups of the 5th Infantry Division, if I remember correctly, but they, actual military troops went into D.C. to protect D.C., particularly Nixon, from these crowds. Now, it never got as bad as, as that they were afraid of, or at least it never was reported. Um, but now, having seen, you know, the trans the transformation in the, in the country, I believe that we scared the crap out of them. And I believe that, because one of the other aspects of it was that as this went on, and I, I'm talking about just a few weeks, but as this went on, the uh, labor unions became involved with the students. They began to, te to, to talk, talk truth in some of these things. So you had other groups starting to come together. And I think it put the fear of God in the uh, establishment, let's put it that way. So what they did was that 
the the bad guys, the planners, the ones that wanted to take down the country. And you know, you can't really look at that at that and say, well, it was Americans. It was Americans, but it wasn't in the way that it became, because the Americans that were trying to stop this leftist movement that was, you know, coming from the grassroots, from the the kids, the 60s generation, those are the people that just want to, the robber barons, the bankers, they don't think beyond their ability to make money, period. Okay, that's what, what the main thing was at the time. That was the enemy. What we didn't anticipate was that and I've seen it now because I've listened to people that were, uh, one of them was a, a K, KGB whistleblower. That Well, he was a defector, and he was on, um, I think it was 60 Minutes. But he was talking, and this is, you know, back in, back maybe the 70s, but probably the, yeah, it was probably the mid-70s. And he was talking about, how Russia was going to take down America by essentially attacking the institutes of education and of uh, political institutions, uh, cultural institutions. They were going to infiltrate and then infiltrate the Russian message of communism, leftism, into the into the society. The, and Khrushchev himself said, we can take you down without firing a shot. Because those people all were very much aware of social control, mind control over a society. How do you get the people, because they realized in the 60s, if you haven't got the kids, if you haven't gotten them under control, you're not going to have a very easy time of this. And so from the 60s, 1970 actually, until what, maybe 10 years ago, their whole focus was, well, not their whole focus, but a good portion of their focus was to take over the universities themselves. Why be threatened by a bunch of kids in a university if you can take the university over so that you don't, the university is part of your mind control program? And I can tell you, having been in the position I was in, there was, a, there was something we would say. We'd say, you know, the only thing more uh, political than politics is academia. You had the lefts and you had the rights, and they were nasty to one another. And that was a real eye opener to me. But when Patrick is talking about it, it's like it's just such a everybody knows now oh, they took over the economy, they took over the education, they're taking over social media. I mean, it's like a takeover from underground and now we have to figure out well how do we get out of this thing they've had decades mark to program these kids um what do we do to unprogram them i guess that's the question here i know i'm kind of rambling but i i wanted people to understand how long they've been doing this and how entrenched they are I mean, the universities right now, you've got Biden, who's still trying to get their loans paid off, and you've got the universities that are making the money on the loans, that are spending billions 
in building sprees. They, they, somebody came out with a report. Why are they spending billions all of a sudden building up, building up, building up when, you know, the government should say, you know, you give the money back to them. Why should we pay you if you're going to be building these buildings <laughs> that you don't need? You're just doing it because you're trying to bring down the country, make everybody go bankrupt. Um... Yeah, I'm just looking at my my notes right here. Yeah, so I'm just commenting on what you said. So ultimately, it's up to the parents how um, aware they are of where to send their kids. And if they have the um, view that a lot of the, the schools, you know, universities haven't compromised since the 60s. And then just these are communist centers. Right? How many how often do we see in articles where. You have foreign agent, foreign agents, not just in the military, but you know, in sending the documents to China or whatever. But in the universities, and <clears throat> all of the what, bio labs in all these universities, right? Um, <clears throat> let alone like the secret um, experiments and technology they make there. So I wanted to read this. A former, I don't know if he's former or current editor in chief of the Lancet, Dr. Richard Horton. Uh, the case against science is straightforward. Much of the scientific literature, perhaps half, may simply be untrue, afflicted by studies with small sample sizes, tiny effects, invalid exploratory analyses, and flagrant conflicts of interest, together with an obsession for pursuing fashionable trends and dubious importance. Science has taken a turn towards darkness. So that goes back again, you know, that's the end quote, <clears throat> goes back again to uh, – the dopamine hits of peer approval and peer pressure. Uh, this isn't just with kids. I mean, we, we talked about the milligram experiment, and you mentioned repeatedly before Celeste Solom saying it's way past that, where people know the information, but where's the action? You know, that's why Catherine Fitz in her membership and, and group calls it actionable intelligence. Like you have the information, but how does it translate into doing something? And that's at the local level. <clears throat> that's why we've um, played Bard's FM stuff. I mean, he's pretty heavy Christian, which is, you know, but it's about tools and how useful they are and, and what results, consistent results universally can be applied, right? Um, I, I know in some of my social media, I've been promoting Mike Lindell's uh, August 16th and 17th um, presentation. I'll give the link later, but it's going to be tools. I mean, he's already told people like turning point tools that we can use all around the country. So he's been quiet about it until in that free event. <clears throat> I think it's just go to frankspeech.com and then you can sign up and, and get started there. Um, let me check <clears throat> my notes here. So we covered the dopamine release and um, oh, I like that he defined what technocracy is, right? It's developed in the 30s, resource-based um, <clears throat> allocation, uh, it, currently known as sustainable development right now, and it's social engineering sciences. And interesting how he was making a distinction between being able to control the factories but not the factory workers. So then what we're seeing now is factory workers becoming the factory. Like you get these 60s protests where, you know, you're just a cog in the machine, and how do you get past that? So <clears throat> people are becoming machines, you know, with, with um, 
the technology around us and uh, <clears throat> all of the artificial frequencies, right? So, and your other shows copy or, or <clears throat> mention different ways to mitigate that ETF or um, EFT, emotional freedom technique. And people can go back to last week's shows of your explanation of the bioelectrical meridians and how that was scientifically proven and even mapped out to form um, organs. Therefore, there should be a pathway to regenerate those. And even Walt said, uh, I think it was last week, a Cosmic Rally, where it was pretty commonplace knowledge that teeth can regrow. So what is it with this bombardment of poisoning for decades? We can't do that anymore. Um, <clears throat> so let me see. Well, I think we can't do it because it's not an accepted preamble to reality. You know, if if your mind can't get around it, like EFT is a simple enterological technique to engage the very basic energy field of your body, which is the meridians and the nadius. The nadius is an energy field that is there before the nerves are, but the nerves are created where the pathway is for the nadius. So the nadius pathway shows up, and then they can see the nerves fill in in embryos. We're talking about embryos, the beginning of life, chicken embryos, or rabbit embryos, I think. And the same thing for the meridians. The meridians do the same thing for the organs. And so you have the meridian come out, create the organs, at the same time that the nadis system is creating the nerves and connecting everything. So when you're doing EMT, which is the first part of it, is setting your mind to focus on a particular situation. Uh, let's just say, oh gosh, I'm so fatigued, I don't think I should be. It's probably something emotional, something that's there, an energy blockage. I want to get rid of it. Let's just say we're, we're, that's that's the, our point. Well, what, what's happened is you put your mind and your mind says to the meridian system that is the meridian and audio system that is the basis of your whole energy field. We got to make a change here. And so you're focused on it. And then all you do is tap the points, acupuncture points. And there's only, I don't know, what, what is it, 10, 10 of them or something. But you only all you're doing is tapping them. You're getting them energized just by your tapping. And you're focusing on it. So pay attention here, pay attention here, pay attention here, pay attention here. And you do that. You do it twice. You haven't spent 10, mon- ten minutes on your own body, on your own beingness. And boom, you're no longer fatigued. And that's just one example. And I know it because I use it. You know, most every other day I'm going like, oh God, what's this fatigue thing again? You know, I go through the routine. I haven't done anything other than do that tapping stuff, and boom, my energy field changes, and whatever. And you don't even have to know what it was. You know, I mean, I woke up the uh, yesterday was yeah, yeah yesterday, and I felt really bad, and I'm going like, what what is this? What is in my head that's causing this? Because I just I just woke up. I didn't have any problem. What, what is it? And I believe it was the um, 
energetic field associated with that fire in uh, Hawaii. Because when I asked the question, I started getting visions of fire. And I said, oh, okay, all right, all this is coming to, you know, uh, it's, just, it's coming to a head sort of thing. All this terror that was associated with this is now being acknowledged by other people, by themselves because they saw it, or by others that now have seen it because they've seen it, because people have talked about it and they've got the pictures and everything. It's, so that's what it is. But the tapping took it away. Now, in that case, I had a pretty firm understanding of what it caused me to feel like that when I first woke up. I was just in the morphic field of humanity. But even though it wasn't really mine, unless I accepted it, by doing the tapping, it got rid of that energy field that was bringing my system down. And I didn't have to do anything more than just say, I want the fatigue on. And a lot of times you hear that you don't want to focus on what you're trying to get rid of. In, the, uh, in this concept, you do. This is my problem. Let's do something to get rid of it. And your body is so amazing. Uh, you don't really have to say, yes, I, I need you to fix the fatigue because I'm feeling this terrible thing from the morphic field because of the wine. You don't have to go through any of that. You don't even have to know what it was. It's a process of engaging yourself at the energy level. And these simple things are very, very hard to follow. And that's what, 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 why I started this thing, is that if we know that anything that happens to us, we can really regenerate. There's no reason why not. You've still got the meridian system up. When somebody loses a, a limb or something, they still feel pain. And uh, if you took a picture of... Uh, somebody who was missing an arm with Curlian photography, which is able to capture the energy field around the body, you would still see the energy field there, even though the physical thing wasn't there. So if your belief system is right, on, and focused, technically, from an energetic standpoint, you could grow that limb back. But nobody, they, don't, they tell you that's impossible, you fool. No, it's not. When you're dealing with energy, everything starts with energy. So that's what I'm saying is that the reason they can't, we don't grow our teeth back is because they took that ability away from us when they told us we couldn't do it, that it's not possible. Does it make sense? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Dr. Cruz covers that too. He always quote or <clears throat> recommends the book, The Body Electric by Robert O'Becker, um, that there is that hint of uh, regeneration yeah. <clears throat> um, wanted to comment on so his other presentation was was um, based on his book uh, Patrick Wood and to, I mean his substack is patrickwood.substack.com and he's also an author economist and financial ana analyst as far as his own <clears throat> background um, he was talking about because he he's been in, in this for like 15 years, right? And of course, the term conspiracy theory, you know, he, that's what he he's been called that. And but there is regarding his Agenda 21 research, but there is an actual book called Agenda 21 that's like a phone book, and he would always carry he would carry that around and just show people, you know. So it's like it shows the limited as, limitations as far as people using uh, that CIA term as as laziness of thought and research. So it's not so much um, the person being called that, 
and it, you know, usually it's the person using the term. It, it shows their uh, limitations. Um, so during that presentation he did, I think it was last month, Patrick Wood, um, he was showing a lot of the Time magazine covers for genetic engineering, GMO foods, and of course everyone knows the um, 1999 uh, cover of the snake with the DNA strands and the injection shown there. <clears throat> the whole predictive programming thing. So one one of the things I've noticed as far as a uh, um, massive, what do you call it, mass uh, mind control technique is is this um, oscillation between lying by omission, meaning partial truths, right? Uh, like the half truth is always worse than a lie because that. That kind of brings a person deeper into the hypnosis of whatever their attention's at, and it's between that and revelation of the method, which is, of course, in books, films, um, <clears throat> different videos of uh, various forms of, of disclosure. Right. So it's interesting how you know you, you can get this um, deep into hypnosis doing that um what was the other one well he talks about deception versus delusion and i found that to be very interesting in that he was talking in terms of if somebody does a magic trick and then they show you what the trick is somebody who is a ra rational person is not going to be fooled by the trick because you know how it is. But somebody who's in a state of delusion, even though they showed you what the trick was, you still are amazed. It's like you can't get beyond that. And I found, now that I'm talking about it, it's like kind of hard to explain these people that are in such a state of delusion than what you were told the trick. But you see them. I mean, you can say something to them about anything, you know, uh, I don't, anything, the Ukraine war, the politics, anything. You can say it to them, but if it doesn't register on their mind, like the Hunter Biden thing, you know, Hunter Biden took money from the Chinese government, the Ukraine government, all these governments. No, he didn't. You're lying. Uh, oh, okay, or, all right, so you've got proof now. Uh, but still, uh, it's okay. It's not a big thing. It's like they refuse to understand how bad that is. That your country was being sold out by the son of, at the time, the vice president, and now the president. This is a big thing. But they can't seem to see it. I'm listening to, to people talking about it on Fox Network. And it's like they don't seem to see what was done as being this horrendous thing that I consider treason and they all should be hanged. They don't see it that way. Oh, everybody does it. He just got caught. You know, this is delusion about what, what reality really is. Do you, do you you understand what I'm saying here? Yeah, what was that Mark Twain quote of it's easier to fool people than to convince them they've been been fooled? Yes. Uh, 
Yes. And then the person you mentioned before in 60 Minutes is, I think, maybe Yuri Bezmanov. Yes, yes. Very good. Excellent. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, they're all called either Yuri or Victor. <laughs> My Russian joke. Um, yeah, so... Uh, let me... Let me Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <clears throat> uh, let me read a quote here from David Rockefeller. Uh, Some even believe we, the Rockefeller family, are part of a secret cabal working against the best interests of the United States, characterizing my family and me as internationalists and of conspiring with others around the world to build a more integrated global political and economic structure. One world, if you will. If that's the charge, I stand guilty and I am proud of it. Uh, yeah. That's the thing, is they're proud of this. They don't understand national boundaries. It's all theirs. They don't understand personal boundaries. They don't understand individuals. Those people are coming from the sense of being um, the family, the genetics, the royal blood. Uh, they don't see the reality that we see at all. David is a very spooky, was a very spooky individual. Interesting. Yeah, wanted to go back to <clears throat> Wood's presentation on evil twins of technocracy and transhumanism. Posted a couple quotes here on the book, The Earth Brokers from 94. Um, of <clears throat> As a re result of these um, programs, the rich are getting richer, the poor getting poorer. The more of the plan is being destroyed in the process. That's from the Earth Brokers book. The main stake raised by the Biodiversity Convention is the issue of ownership and control over biological diversity. The major, the major concern was protecting the pharmaceutical and emerging biotech industries. Page 94. And then we have the Schwab quote of a post-human condition, the end of <clears throat> humanity's reliance on our congenital bodies by transforming our frail 1.0 human bodies into their far more durable and capable versions 2.0 counterparts. Um, so we've been seeing that as people become more reliant on phones, um, you know, the different screens, whether movie screens, computer screens, TV screens, right? For um, not just entertainment, but just, just to get people's attention for most of their conscious living um, rather than looking inward, right? So, you know, I, I sometimes have that thing going on, but I mean, I'm constantly reading books and buying books and <clears throat> doing interactions as far as, you know, digging these kinds of things up. And so this one I'll talk about on the Shungite show, but, <clears throat> and this is an InfoWars thing. They, they brought up the FDA CDC documents. I hope to find them and, and share it on <clears throat> the Shungite show of, um, putting something in the uh, injections that would make people allergic to meat. So we, we've, the, the Lone Star Tick has already been known to do that for, it's been around forever, but um, <clears throat> they put that thing um, that makes people allergic to meat in the, it's like alpha-gal something. Um, so I, I need to bring out those documents, but um, <clears throat> um yeah, that should be a good show topic as far as if they can do that to meat, I mean, they're going to be able to do it with anything else, vegetables or whatever nutrients you would need. So it's just more of this. Uh, and, and even the WEF themselves said to your face in video, it, 
that they were going to make people averse to meat. So that was um, played on video like a couple of years ago. And so now we're seeing this whole thing of um, the, the viral thing of like, oh, these ticks are, are causing people to become allergic to meat. Like, no, it's not the tick. It's, it's biotech. So <clears throat> maybe I can get that out to you. Um, talk about it in the other shows, Nancy. Yeah, there. The, the, it really. I mean, if if one of the reasons that I don't like to get into some of this really awful nanotech is that you throw up your hands and you go, "What? What can I do? We're going to all die," you know. Um, the reality is, is that none of this stuff works unless you're allowing it into your own reality. Now we go when we talk about these these awful things yes they're there that's what their plan is but as Mark uh, Steele pointed out he said you know there, there's the death rate should have been extremely much higher than it was why did people not die he, he, you know why aren't more people dying because more people are connected to their spirit and their higher self and the source god what what those those that's why even though they they i tried to initially stay away from you know the spiritual talk because i didn't want to turn certain i mean a lot of conspiracy people have their own really individual way of looking at at you know spirituality and their relationship to their to their gods or god or their higher selves or whatever and that dogma of religion, I, I just really, you know, kind of like, Ugh, I don't want to get near it. Um, however, one of the things that is becoming trending and becoming prominent is the idea that uh, Patrick brought up. The only way you can get through any of this mind control of, of the whole society just, you know, being attacked on all levels from the food to the air to the you know very things we see on tv to the way that they're being taught in schools all of this is attack 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 on our society our economy our spiritual and you know political beliefs well if the people don't have a some place to ground out some place to hold their you know put their hat on some place to say this is this is what I'm going to believe in because it's better than what you're telling me basically so what what the, what he's saying is that this the the foundations of religion the, the basic concept of a spiritual connection and I said in one of the radio shows just recently remember you don't have to be catholic to be a christian the catholics want you to, they used to tell us mark if you're not Catholic, it doesn't matter if you follow Christ. They're, those people that aren't Catholic are, are doomed. I was brought up on that. If you're not Catholic, you're going to go to hell. So that's just bullshit. You don't have to be Catholic to be a Christian. Um, Mona Radler, you know, last night basically said, you know, put your Jesus aside. Nobody's going to save you. Don't go to Jesus for helping you out of anything. Think of Jesus' teachings 
and how he said that, you know, someday you're going to be capable of doing what I do and more. Think about the teachings, not the image of Jesus on a cross suffering, which is just profane. Um, we have to begin to, well, I think that most of us have, I think that everybody that is probably listening to this and finding it something they want to listen to are already in touch with their own connection to the source of love, the source of biological life, uh, Gaia, nature, uh, the animals. I, I think that if you are an animal lover, you're there. If you don't love animals, if you can't get there, oh, you're lost. You know, you're prime picking for the other side. And I think that we have enough of that in the in humanity because I think it's I think it's something that is basic to our if you go back to the natives you know w w how did the natives interact everything was energy everything was life everything had consciousness everything had purpose and you didn't you didn't have this phony reality where no the real purpose in life is to look at your Facebook no <laughs> That's not what it was all about. It was about the integration of different forms of life into a life experience. And if you can get back to that grounded connection to the basic energies of life, which include gratitude, appreciation, love, caring, compassion, those type of things, that's what will keep you from succumbing to all of these attacks. You know, Walt said to me one day, he said, in the middle of a storm, if Gaia needs you, you will survive. And that's very true. If we are part of the movement to, to just get the shackles off of our brains, off of our the way that we, we interact with, with the planet, you know, why, why should we pay rent? We own the planet. No, it's because those people have stolen the planet. They own the planet now. Now they're going to tell us what we can do and what we can't do because they own the planet. No, I didn't, I didn't sign up for that reality. And people are waking up. And as they are waking up, they're also waking up to the necessity to have conversations about spirituality, conversations about metaphysics, conversations about... How do we interact as a species? And where this, you know, this world government um, is trying to eradicate the concept of national borders, I think they're doing a good job of it, but I don't think it's the thing that they thought was going to happen. Because it, we look at America, the world looks at America, but the world reflects America. And you have, if, if, you, if you had the time, I, I know it's out there, I don't have the time to follow all of it, the various countries and how they're taking control in, in, in the streets, taking control by one of the countries, what was it, Sweden, Norway, one of those type countries. Yeah, Norway, I think. But Norway, yes, Norway way back was one of the countries that during the uh, 08 uh, financial collapsing, Norway actually put their bankers in prison and disbanded the government and reestablished the government. And, you know, I mean, I said Norway is Finland. 
Um, you know, so there were places that right from the get-go, the people were able to regain a, a semb semblance of control. But all over the world, you're having the same response. Yes, we're not looking at national borders anymore. We're looking at you, this group of people that want to take us over, and every and the planet's coming together with not national borders, but not under one government either. You know what I'm saying, Mark? Yeah. Um, this whole thing can be to me wrapped up in the <clears throat> Buckminster Fuller quote of "You never change things by fighting the existing reality. To change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete." So. It's about your own personal creation, what you could do for yourself, like your own health, your own locality, and <clears throat> for your friends and family around you, and the things you can change immediately. And so you can contrast that with this um, quote from Ben Rich, second director of Lockheed Skunk Works, 1993 alumni speech at UCLA. <clears throat> we already have the means to travel among the stars, but these technologies are locked up in black projects, and it would take an act of God to ever get them out to benefit humanity. Anything you can imagine, we already know how to do. So a lot of people, like I found Nancy through Project Camelot and the people she interviews, that how many decades, not just years, but decades are these people of the breakaway civilization ahead. So we need to make our own form of decentralization. Um, and Shanghai does that among the other tools recommended, like EFT, um, different energy technologies, like, mental technology, right? So <clears throat> that's why I still listen to Nancy's other shows of these uh, different tools that uh, are easily accessible within us. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> send it back to you, Nancy. Well, I'm just going to say that um, you can go and you can find a tremendous amount of information on EFT, Emotional Freedom Treatments? Free, emotional freedom technique. Technique, technique. And uh, Gary Cole is the guy that wrote the first... Craig. Craig, Craig, Gary Craig. I don't know who Gary Cole is. Greg, Craig. He's the one that wrote the original book out there. There's a lot of other books I can't tell you. I can't recommend anybody but his. But ever since we started talking about this, which is about two, maybe three weeks ago, I went out there to buy a book for somebody, and you can't get his version anymore. Goodreads has none. Amazon, I supposedly bought the last one. And the there was other companies out there, but like $51 for his particular book. But if you uh, do your research, you'll find somebody that... I mean, it's all based on the same concepts. And you'll find a tremendous amount of information. But you can go to, is it, I think it's, is it, I'll put the link down in, yeah, i got to write myself a note here. I have a, his official page, emofree.com. So he has the upgraded version of EFT called The Unseen Therapist as a free ebook, And then he has a YouTube page, so, you know, you could just go there. Yeah, because you can actually get a manual, uh, free it's a download that'll take you through the steps so you know you hear this show go look up gary 
uh, Gary Cole and EMT and get to his website and you can get the invisible what is it the invisible physician which is a, a, a downloadable PDF that you can read uh, that continually references the EFT but you can also get a tutorial on how to do the EFT free you don't have to buy a book you don't have to do any more research than to get it and then start using it because the more you use it and like I say it's so simple that I find myself going like oh uh, why aren't I using that you know I mean it's like I keep I, I, you have to train yourself to grab these simple things because they're so simple they don't stand out you know I, I, I can't tell you Mark how many people have said oh I used to do that I stopped doing it you stopped doing it because it was working but it was so simple that it wasn't being an impact on your life yeah that's me <laughs> uh, okay alright okay it's just one of those funny things you know that you kind of have to you have to put up reminders to do the simple things and if you do the simple things you'll probably be alright <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's funny man. so I think you're it was the unseen therapist that <clears throat> that book um, as far as the upgrade, yeah. unseen therapist. I got. I actually have it up in my uh, my, my browser, which has got about thirty windows open. <laughs> um. Yeah. Anything else as far as um, or how much time we got left? About five minutes. Okay, I guess I could go into. What happened? I'm going to talk about it in the Shanghai show, but since it's Radio 5G, why my voice is kind of out, I was six since Wednesday. So um, I went on a cruise ship thing for uh, <clears throat> some days, and then I did have like Walt's Rose Resonator. I had the Cosmic Silver, a um, few other things to kind of maintain myself, but I had some kind of flu thing going on with my head, like a fever, and then like a stomach thing. So this was all while it was on the boat. <clears throat> so it was said that maybe, because I was in Southern California, that maybe I got something at, at the theme parks uh, I went to. But it's, I mean, it was really hot that day. So it's known that the heat can, you know, if you bite into the virus, then can eliminate the viruses. That's a science paper. <clears throat> so I don't think it's that. I mean, nanotech certainly possibility, right, with booster shots or whatever, um, the shedding transfection thing. Uh, but I attribute it more to the high em the high EMF in the cruise ship. It's pretty well known for years. It's it's a 5G, you know, place. And then you have all of the people with their electronics. And I'm going to read off some headlines here uh, <clears throat> from the last couple of years. Um, uh, so this is back in 2021. Fully vaccinated woman dies of COVID taking Carnival Cruise. To Belize, 27 people total tested positive COVID board ship. Um, <clears throat> this was in December of that year. 48 passengers and staff members fully vaccinated. Royal Caribbean cruise ship test positive for COVID. Um, CDC warns people going to cruises regardless. I'm just reading the quick headlines here. Um, regardless of vaccination status, major outbreaks, fully vaccinated ships. Um, <clears throat> cruise ship, fully vaccinated passengers, crew members, 
ducks at San Francisco. And they had a COVID outbreak in the in the ship. And this one was from last year. CDC stops reporting of COVID-19 levels in cruise ships, says that they can handle their own mitigation programs. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I knew this going in. That's why I brought all of these layers. But I think I... I <clears throat> concluded it was it was the my own uh, <clears throat> battery capacity wasn't strong enough and it could have been the the ship's food too so hopefully having walt and derek there can kind of uh um <clears throat> bring more answers to what happened and um could also warn people not to get into these kinds of uh situations so well, yeah these are all gateway pundit um articles yeah, you, you can't underestimate the dangers of those ships or even just going into out of your environment. When you're in your environment, you're, you're more easily balanced electromagnetically. Even if you've got a bad situation, you're mitigating that situation if you're using the shungite, if you're you know being aware that shungite's going to change the energies to be biocompatible but it's still an unnatural amount of energies coming in and attacking you. Now, it's not attacking you in a toxic way. It's just overwhelming you. It's like a glass of water is going to save your life, but, you know, if you're underwater, you're going to drown. And it's the same sort of thing. And then when you go into any other environment, you're subjecting your electromagnetic system to all sorts of changes, even some of them being natural changes. You're in a different area. You're with different people. So, yes, um, if you think of it from your standpoint of being, you were just energetically overwhelmed. And, you know, when you're in that state, your body is going to go, screw this, something's wrong, and you'll begin to get the fevers. You'll begin to get the... The, 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 your body is attempting to fight it off. Your feeling of sickness is your body trying to fight it off. So, uh, you know, just be aware of that. I'm sorry you felt you had to go through that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just glad to be on land and away from that kind of cage. <laughs> <laughs> I did have a good time, but obviously not when, while I was sick. No, I, I wouldn't. I, and I've been on the cruise ships. I wouldn't take... I mean, I had friends that worked there. I used to go down on the weekends when they came in, and we'd hang out, you know, for a few hours between the time they had to go back. But I would never, ever go out in the middle of the ocean on one of those things. Oh, my God. I'd lose my mind. <laughs> yeah, let's make that a big topic for Tuesday because Florida, I mean, people fly there just to get on the cruise ship and go to the Bahamas or wherever the... the the islands and you know hearing the different stories you've been in one and you know what kind of uh contraption it is so Ugh. i think that, that that would be a good topic especially with the other guys you know so it's uh yeah it's it's yeah we'll talk about it and remind me to talk about the oregon associated with those ships so we're at the end of the uh show here today and uh, is there something else that you wanted to mention or cover no, that's it. Um, just listen to the other shows to build up your stack of uh, um, mental technology of what works for you. And then, yeah, looking forward to your comments. Thank you. Everybody be safe out there, and we'll see you next time. You have been listening to Radio 5G, a production of CosmicReality.com. 
thank you for listening.